Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. We are ready to go. It's Baku this weekend. F1 is back. We're all good. My name's Ben Hocking. Thank you very much for, for joining us today. Sam Sage and Harry Eid, of course, alongside. Are you ready for the excitements that await us? Firstly, I want to say welcome Baku to everyone listening to the podcast and welcome Baku to Baku. Baku, Baku, say Baku again, Baku. It's like I was stuck in the Matrix thing. It's like a twitch, you know, the robots get when they're the, they've been found out as the bad AI in a film. Um, I'm buzzed. I love Baku. Say it again. Honestly, well done to Baku for being so good. So welcome, Baku. I think, Do you remember where uh, we're going this weekend? <laughs> I've completely forgotten. I think if people had um, 20 times for the number of times that Sam would say Baku in the first minute, take your bingo card. Where I think you might have been short if you said 20, to be honest. Where, honestly, I, why can't I ever be involved in these bingo games? I'd like to take part. <laughs> Invite me to the hall, please. Well, we now know that Sam won't be here for our next podcast because he will be out playing bingo. Um, But he's here for this podcast, as are us two, so we will crack on. We've got plenty to discuss today. Um, I mean, strap yourselves in. We're going to be talking about the media um, and their relationship with the drivers. Uh, This is in light of what's been happening recently with Naomi Osaka in tennis. So we're going to look at it through uh, an F1 lens. Alonso, Fernando Alonso, he's come up with a couple of ideas that could help street circuit races. So we're going to be looking to see if he's uh, if he's got a point or if, come on, Nando, just stick to driving. Um, and we're also going to debut a brand new game called F1 Alphabet because we didn't have enough games as it was. Um, but first <laughs> of all, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix coming up this weekend Um Interestingly, at Monaco, we saw Ferrari get in the mix with Red Bull and Mercedes at the front. Um, Charles Leclerc, of course, getting pole position. Carlos Sainz getting a podium. Now attention turns to another street circuit, but a radically different one. And the question turns to McLaren and I guess Lando Norris of the two based on current form. Sam, do you think there's any chance at all that Lando Norris can spring a surprise and be in the mix this weekend? I 100% think that McLaren could be in the mix around here. Their aerodynamic package is much better than it was the previous season. They've got the Mercedes engine in the back, and we've seen how good the Mercedes engine is. It's still the best engine to have around most circuits. Uh, The top-end performance speed that it delivers is absolutely fantastic. Williams are able to rock it ahead, usually when it comes to those back straights if you look at the speed traps. The same happens with, of course, Mercedes themselves and McLaren. And Lando Norris is on an absolute hype train. At the moment, the guy is unstoppable when it comes to solid performances. He's laying Daniel Ricciardo. It's like he's got the, the McLaren cement mixer, the roller. It's got Daniel just lie there. Cheers, I've flattened you with my form there. And it is ridiculously impressive with how good Lando Norris is being. And I expect no change here at Baku. 
Um, and the fact that you've asked if Landon Norris is the option, not Daniel Ricciardo, I think is completely right. Daniel Ricciardo has got to find something. There was some damning news for Daniel Ricciardo in the previous week. Daniel said, um, I'm not sure what's going on with the car, uh, or if it's just me. And an engineer came out and said, there is absolutely nothing wrong with the car. The car is exactly what Lando gets given. Um, Daniel just is slower at the moment. So Daniel needs to find something because Lando is on it. If anyone from, I think, that kind of best of the rest midfield package, if you'd like to put it into inverted commas for those listening to the podcast, can challenge the, the two big guns at the top, it's Lando, it's that McLaren. I think they are well within a shot of a strong podium, if not a possible wing, especially if Bottas and Perez are unable to master the form that seems to be eluding them so far this season. What do you reckon, Harry? Do you think McLaren will be in the mix for podiums or even a win? I think uh, we know how crazy Baku can be. Um, I think if we have a Baku sort of race, then I think, yes, why not? I don't know necessarily that they'll be in the mix from you know Friday practice onwards. I think if we have a crazy race, I think, yeah, why not? He, Norris has already proven twice this year that he can be the one to pick up that that third spot on the podium if you know if it's a slightly crazy race we've had Imola and now we had uh, I mean Monica wasn't crazy but we had people drop out the one you know that would normally be in that top three so um yeah I think he's he slash McLaren are absolutely the the combination I would expect to be on that podium I don't think on raw pace I think they'll be definitely quick but I don't think on raw pace they're still going to challenge the top two teams and I think Ferrari are staking their claim to for a challenge to be third in the championship as well after you know as we saw in Monaco so um yeah absolutely no reason why they could not end up on the podium but on raw pace alone potentially not I think the Monaco Grand Prix was uh, maybe not from one side of the garage with Daniel Ricciardo, but from Lando Norris's side of the garage, it was incredibly encouraging what they were able to do. Considering coming into the weekend, they weren't exactly bullish about how they expected to do. Um, you know, they they expected Monaco to be uh, a downgrade on the other races that they've had this year based on the characteristics of their car. Because of the Mercedes power unit, um, they are rapid in a straight line. They they really are very quick in a straight line, and they're very good in the in the high speed corners as well. Generally speaking, the low speed corner I don't think they're bad in the low speed corners, um, but at the same time, the car is a little bit um, a bit lazy compared to to the Red Bull and the Ferrari in terms of turning. Um, so you know it's not quite there on particularly on those two. The Mercedes isn't great at it either, but they might be fourth behind Mercedes if if you're looking at it that way. Um, so it, you know coming into Monaco, they they weren't expecting a lot, and what they instead what they got when they didn't expect much was Lando Norris within a couple of attempts of pole position on Saturday, and even though the pace wasn't particularly in the second stint. It wasn't brilliant from Landon Norris. He did enough to secure a podium. So, you know, if they can do that at a race where they don't think they've got any chance of being competitive with the top guys, what can they do at a circuit like like Baku? Um, bear in mind that the start-finish straight spans about 12 different countries. It's that long. Uh, it's it's a long old way down that back straight. And, you know, they will, they will make temps up there on, on the other teams around them. And I think the big question is whether they can be in with a shot of pole, whether they can be in with a chance of podiums if nothing crazy happens. And we know it's Baku, crazy things might well happen. But I think what will determine on pure pace alone, whether they can be up in the mix, is that middle sector. Can they do enough in those slow speed corners, particularly the castle section, as we know, um, is very difficult um, and there are a few other instances of low-speed corners on the circuit as well. If they can manage those okay, if they can break even, I would say, at those, they might have a chance at this because I don't think another team can touch them in a straight line. Um, very interesting to see. And if they do well here, it bodes very, very well for them at some other circuits we've got coming up as well. I'm, I'm th- thinking mainly Monza, but you know, it will help them at Silverstone a great deal. It will help them in Austria a great deal as well. So this could be a bit of an indication as to what we might be expecting to see as the season goes on. And of course, they are, as you've already mentioned, embroiled in this, what we believe to be a two-way fight for third place between Ferrari 
and McLaren. So, um, you know, oh, who, who predicted that at the start of the season? Oh, don't uh, remember. I think it might have been Dave Bengtson Phillips. Probably an uh, idiot. Oh, yeah, definitely an idiot. No doubt about that. Um, sorry, I, I tried my best not to include that, but you know me. Uh, I, I can't miss... I can't I was actually, while you were making that point, I was just thinking about the start of the year predictions and how oh. painfully wrong I am already. Don't, don't worry, we will revisit ever. those. We, we will come <laughs> yeah, back to those at the end of this season. Uh, oh, no. We, we will have ourselves a good, a good laugh one way or the other. Um, Might actually yeah. last for the first time. Nah, probably not. I mean, Harry's here. You'll be all right. Possible to see everywhere. <laughs> Excitement awaits us at the end of the season on that one. But for Baku specifically, yeah, I think Lando Norris uh, in particular has a got has got a great chance. And if Daniel Ricciardo can get it together, we know he's a former winner at the circuit. Maybe you know, maybe he could be in the mix as well. He's he's in need of at least an encouraging weekend, even if it doesn't end up in a podium. Looking at Verstappen versus Hamilton specifically, we saw the first time this season, really, that either of them have messed up at all in the form of Lewis Hamilton at Monaco. So he is uh, behind in the championship now, in need of a fight back. Do you expect to see a highly motivated Hamilton this weekend, Sam? Yeah, Hamilton is always highly motivated. He was off on the skydiving in the week. I don't know what he's doing up there. I don't know whether he's finding that because always a couple of tents in this cloud. Oh, there's a tent in that cloud. I don't know what he's looking for while falling through the sky, but I'm sure he's going to turn up at Baku and provide that consistency once again. And, you know, I think we've got some comments about Toto in a minute, but honestly, Hamilton goes well here. Mercedes go well here. Hamilton is Hamilton. Hamilton. When was the last time that Hamilton was properly behind to someone that wasn't his teammate? Vettel. A long time ago now. So, yeah, I think Hamilton is really determined to snatch it back. I think he is very much learning from any mistake that he makes the further he gets into his career. It's very interesting to see how he adapts and takes on those learnings and that criticism, those poor performances. And that was characteristically strange from Lewis Hamilton back in Monaco. Hamilton and Monaco tend to not be brilliant, but he's never been never been poor around there. And I was shocked at how negative he was around that track. So, yes, I think he's going to turn up to Baku and I think he's going to unleash almighty hell upon the Azerbaijani track and the rest of the grid. I mean, you mentioned those comments that, that Toto made. Um, essentially, he doesn't rate the chance chances of the Mercedes guys this weekend. He doesn't think the car is suited to the track. And as we know, uh, in every single instance that a team principal plays down their chances, it always ends up being true and they never end up doing all right. So do you have, <laughs> do you believe that Toto Wolff's words have any merit, Sam? No, not at all. We've had three races in Baku and they've That's won four. two of the three. Is it four? And they've won three. Did Rosberg win the first one? He did. Well, the European sorry. Grand Prix. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, I forgot Rosberg was there. Sorry, yeah, three of the four. It even backs up my point even further. So they've won three of the four. Valtteri Bottas would have won two of those had he not had the worst luck in Formula One history at that race. Um, but even when Bottas has that poor puncture, Haskell DNF, Lewis Hamilton's there to pick up the pieces and he takes home to win that time. Um, Bottas has then obviously gone to 1-1 himself. Rosberg has won one. Ricardo, who is no longer at Red Bull, is the only person who isn't a Mercedes driver to win. And now he drives a Mercedes-powered car. So I really do think the Wolf is absolutely blowing smoke out of his areas we shan't talk about on the podcast. Because the form does not lie. They have they have data. They have, they have the ability to, to read previously. They have toes. Um, honestly, <laughs> honestly... This is Toto Wolf spinning the ball, spinning the absolute propaganda and not wanting to end up looking like a bit of a mug when it comes to Red Bull because I really think that the Saints have an absolute chance to dominate Red Bull at this kind of track. High-speed corners, high-speed long straights, all things that Red Bull are not as good at when it comes to racing as what the Saints are. Red Bull are brilliant at low-speed, low, uh, high-traction rather, getaway corners. A lot of Baku doesn't have that. So I do think the Red Bull might struggle here coming forward. And Mercedes, I think, are going to be very strong, as are McLaren, I believe. What, what do you reckon, Harry? Do you think that, that Toto Wolff is, is on to something here? Or do you expect Mercedes to be very competitive? Yeah, he's chatting out of his rear end, isn't he, Toto? Um, 
Yeah, what? Like, he, he says it. He says it all the time. And it, it's got substantially worse this year. Him and Christian Horner, I have to admit. And I know it's all a, it's all mind games. I'd give it a rest. Every race. If, if every race, the Red Bull and Mercedes form was as bad as they said it was going to be, Ferrari would be leading the championship. So, yeah, come on. Be quiet, Toto. And I know, I know why you're doing it, but yeah, Mercedes are definitely going to be competitive. I, I, I don't think I can call between you know Hamilton and Verstappen because I, I think we both, we all know that they both bring a extra edge to whatever track they're driving. Um, but yeah, Mercedes are definitely going to be competitive. We've we've already spoken about how quick the McLaren is in a straight line. It's got that Mercedes engine. Unbelievably, the Mercedes has a Mercedes engine. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think they're definitely going to be strong here. And yeah, like Sam said, Hamilton's going to be going to be pumped up after after one of his poorest weekends for a long time. You have to say so. Um, yeah, it, they're definitely in with a shout of a win easily. Yeah, I I'm going to sit tight on this one, and we'll, we'll see how the weekend plays out. And if we see. Yeah, if we see Valtteri Bottas getting knocked out in Q2 and Lewis Hamilton getting knocked out in Q1, fair enough. I will um, I will apologise to you, Mr. Wolf, um, because you will be right. But um, I would be very surprised if that is the case. We'll, we'll see. Um, obviously, he's mainly talking about the performance in relation to, to Red Bull rather than other teams. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll see what how he turns up. Because... I think you're right. I think Lewis Hamilton, he very, very rarely, well, he very rarely has a poor race. He very rarely has two poor races in a row. Um, so usually he's he's fairly good at bouncing back once he's had a, a bad race weekend. And at the same time, Max Verstappen, this is the first time, well, this is the first time he's leading the Formula One World Championship this season, or at all. It's actually the first time he's leading a championship since his karting days, which um, which is something Blimey. quite unbelievable. Um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how he how he does out front, because it, it's brand new territory for him, at least in in the world of F1. So, you know, will he be able to, you know, will, will he be able to, match will he will he be able to keep up the performances as a front runner because all of this time at red bull he's been the one who has been forced to come up with the the different idea maybe not himself but red bull strategically come up with a different idea he's been the hunter um and he's been the one you know essentially stalking the prey that is lewis hamilton now the roles are reversed now he's the one that is the target he's the one leading the way it's a brand new situation and until you're in that situation, we don't know how it's going to go. I imagine Max Verstappen will get his head down and go about business as he always does. And I don't think his attitude is going to change regardless of whether he's 30 points ahead in the championship or 30 behind. But, you know, maybe, maybe he's going to come out and, uh, maybe he's going to come out and, and impress us and get that extra gear. If that is indeed possible, I'm excited to see whatever happens though. All right. All predictions. Let's hear it from you, Sam. Well, what have you got? Uh, I'm not going to be as crazy as I was at Monaco because clearly if I go that crazy, it just doesn't happen and we get the world's most boring race. So, um, Baku has an art of producing high point scorers from drivers that start well outside the points. Uh, and because of Mr. Saturday, as Crofty likes to call him, uh, <laughs> literally Guy every on. two seconds <laughs> Mr. Saturday himself Mr. Saturday um, scream if you want Mr. Saturday um, yeah they absolutely love it sorry it's like I was at the fairground for a minute um, because of the guy's absolute supreme qualifying on Saturday earning him the nickname Mr. Saturday I think he's going to qualify well I think it'll be kind of 13th, 12th I think that Mercedes engine is going to carry through and I think George Russell will finish in 7th or higher this weekend Oh. When are they doing the swap with Valtteri Bottas? Goodness me. <laughs> oh. so, Zing. Sev- seventh or higher. Yeah. It's bold. I'll give you that. Can't argue with that at all. Well, you, you can. Um, 
No, if he, if he gets points, I'll be happy. If he, if he scores points, then, okay, I'm not being fully correct on the bold prediction, uh, but you... I do feel like it will, it will be in line, so I'll be all right with that. There's, there's no grey areas in bold predictions. You're right or you're wrong. If he finishes eighth, you're a loser. There's no, there's no denying it. They're not called comb over predictions, Sam. Come on. Exactly. That'll be me. That'll be me in about four years' time, folks. <laughs> That'll be me next Wednesday. Um... <laughs> next podcast, Ben's got a comb over. <laughs> sorry to everyone listening that does struggle with that. It is horrible. Yeah, sorry. Obviously. Bold prediction from you, Harry Eid. Uh, my bold prediction. Um, follows a pattern that we saw in the last race and it is that there will not be one single safety car in Azerbaijan. Including Have VSC? we had one every, every year since... Sliced bread. Not the start, no. but since Ricardo won. I, I have a feeling that we didn't have one in 2016 either. So... Mm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying though. We only had, I think, had one the first year, but every other year we've had one. I think Kvyat get involved in something in 2016. I mean, potentially. I see. There. Ricardo reversed into him. That was it. <laughs> that was in 2016, of course. But, um, sorry, is it just safety cars or VSCs as well? I'll I'll just yeah. Why not VSCs as well? No, not a thing. For the love of God, Harry, I hope you continue your streak of being wrong on this one. Yeah, we all I'm, know. I'm... I will. I'm immediately much more confident we're getting a good race. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Harry did a bad prediction. It, it, it's back. It's it's bold. Um, I, I I think it would be it would seem even bolder if we didn't just come from Monaco where we had an unusually quiet incident-free race. But it See? is bold nonetheless. There wasn't a yellow yeah. flag. I can't get over how there still wasn't a yellow flag. Yeah, seems crazy. Um, my bold prediction, well, the, the problem is my bold prediction actually involves the top seven, which is the number, of course, Sam chose for where George Russell was going to finish. So now mine just seems incredibly unbold by comparison. Um, I'm going to go with both Alpha Tauris inside the top seven. Come on, little Yuki. Spaceship Sonoda. Space Spaceship Sonoda. Spelt with a T at the start of each word, obviously. T for space and T for ship. Yeah, unfortunately, Sonoda's just going to miss out on the win with Gasly taking the victory. So um, it'd be an interesting one too. Imagine if that was actually your prediction. That would be <laughs> spicy. That would be very spicy. It's not as spicy as that. I think both will finish in the top seven. Though. I think that's really bold. Considering that it's... Yuki had a great first race and then and then has struggled, I think it's fair to say, the last few races. I think that's a really, really bold prediction that he's going to get enough momentum going to be in the yeah. top seven. Considering that that means that probably either a Ferrari or a McLaren are not going to be in the top seven. Alpine's is going to be both of them. I really do think that this is this is strong. Well, Alonso's going to get damage on the first lap and he's going to go and do the first lap at two miles an hour again. So he's going to be out of it. Um, Can't wait for that. Still finish eighth. So Sainz and Norris will crash because, you know, they're the biggest of rivals and they're going to be on the track at the same time. Um, they do hate each other. They yeah. really detest each other, don't they? Thanks, Netflix. Um, poll one, two, three. <laughs> what have you got for us there, Sam? Poll will be Valtteri Bottas. Sorry, what? Uh, the win. Did, did, yeah, did you I, just give uh, Bottas a poll? Did you say I something did, nice about him? I did. The man... Mr. Saturday. Um, that's not him. No, not at all. That's not him. Sorry, that's the guy that's going to take his job very soon. Um, yeah, Valkyrie Bottas is going to get pole. I think I think Bottas is going to be absolutely gutted about what happened in Monaco. Uh, and fairly so, if I'm totally honest. Um, the guy did very well, I thought. Especially in comparison to his seven-time world champion teammate. Unfortunately, he isn't going to beat his teammate at Baku. Hamilton is going to win. I think it's going to be a... Valtteri Bottas second place, and I think Lando Norris will be third. Interesting, Harry. Poll one, two, three. I too have got a Bottas poll. More botties up the botties, um, and I'm going to give more botties. I'm going to give Bottas the win, 
and he's going to be followed home by his illustrious teammate, Lewis Hamilton, and in third will be Max Verstappen. Interesting. I'm going to go with Maxi Verstapp to get pole position here. Um, and I've also got Maxi Verstapp taking the win. I think Lewis Hamilton will be second place and Lando Norris will be on the podium again in third. That's an interesting trio that we've got there. It's mm, a bit cheeky. Indeed. Of course, we know that it will be a Gasly Sonoda 1 2, and we're just. <laughs> but there we go. I'm fine with that. I'm so fine with that. Yeah, I mean, there are ins- there are instances where we are happy to be wrong. Where it leads to a better race, we are always happy to be wrong. Harry's just um, had to become happy with being wrong full stop. To be honest. <laughs> I am, I am, my middle name is wrong. Not no, wrong. It, <laughs> wrong. <laughs> <laughs> is wrong spelt wrong? Like, it's just yeah, like, it's spelt wrong. That's a got a G at the end. <laughs> Love it. Let's move on to something slightly more serious um, to discuss the, the role of media in today's world of F1. So th- this topic has arisen due to the uh, withdrawal of Naomi Osaka, of course, completely different sport from the French Open in tennis. Um, if you're unaware, um, she's absolutely one of the best in tennis, um, decided that she would not conduct her normal press obligations as all players are expected to do throughout the tournament, um, owing to her mental health. That's the reason she gave. Um, She was fined as a result of this, threatened with expulsion from the tournament, and ultimately she ended up uh, withdrawing. So, um, I mean, with, with that in mind, we thought it was actually fairly good time to then think about how the media interact with drivers. Of course, it's a, a you know, not interchangeable situation, but you know we can we can look at how the how the media interacts with the drivers at the moment. Um, Sam, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that the media does a a good job in relation to press conferences and just the overall conduct? Uh, no, to put it bluntly, I don't. I really don't enjoy any kind of press interaction with the drivers these days. I find it very stale, very stuffy uh and almost a little bit like they're trying to provoke some kind of bait or unnecessary confrontation out of a lot of the drivers a bit like what netflix has done sometimes in drive to survive and try to force a rivalry or create an issue or provoke some kind of comment to get people struggling over what each other have said a war of words rather than what we just see on the track i want to see the Fun in-depth analysis of the car or the race or how the battle has gone, maybe an overtake, how that was created, or opportunities. Or I want to see something actually fun, interesting, a bit different. Um, ben, I think you asked this on, twi- on our Twitter, follow us at Breaking. We got a few replies. Uh, one person brought up a great thread. Uh, I'm going to credit them because I feel rude if I don't. So uh, they were the Quick Stop F1. If you don't follow them, go have a look at their stuff. Um, and they brought up the fact that once upon a time they brought kids into the, the pen to ask the questions. And the questions were immediately more interesting. The drivers responded better. It was funny. It was interesting. We got an insight into what a driver feels and thinks from a different perspective. And I loved that. Instead of every single weekend, Lewis, how do you feel Max Verstappen should act around you on track? And then, you know, vice versa to Max Verstappen. Max, do you feel like Lewis is trying to get inside your head? And both of them don't care. They don't care. They sit there and go, all right, yeah, probably just beat him on track if I can, really. They're not bothered. Um, I think this method of the way we talk to drivers and the highlights that we see are very old school and it's stale and it does not work well with how social media works. Drivers are a lot more relaxed. We've got some great personalities. I think we should embrace that. We should show that off. We should have some different formats. Rather than changing qualifying, let's change how we get interviewed on our drivers. Thank you very much. What what are your thoughts on this one, Harry? Yeah, I, I think it's the it's the format of the press uh, press conferences we have. I mean, they're not even televised anymore. I don't think we get glimpses on social media later on of m- maybe like a funny highlight, and it's normally because the drivers are so bored in these press conferences they're just taking the Mickey out of each other. Like you know, we had signs and Norris and Verstappen in Monaco. Um, just you know, messing around. Um, yeah, and as Sam said, when they uh, when they brought those kids in to ask questions, 
very refreshing. And I don't really think we saw many of that much of that, but you know, it's just something different. I think they need to, to completely change that format. And I know it's difficult on the flip side because you know the journalists are there making a living for these for these outlets. Um, but I do think something needs to be needs to change. And also the I know we haven't had you know the, a similar incident in F one necessarily as we have had with um, Naomi Naomi Osaka, but the obligation to go to a press conference. You know what? Why? Why are they? You know, I know it would be difficult because none of them would turn up. But it just seems a bit, you know, seems a bit medieval to make them come to these press conferences. Um, so yeah, I, I I agree with what Sam was saying. I just think that the format needs to format needs to change and be made more interesting for us, the fans, and but you know, probably more importantly, is the people that have to sit through them, the drivers. So. Um, yeah, I do think something needs to change there. And you'd hope that Liberty, with all the changes they made, would would start to address that at some point, I think. I, I think the reality of the situation is that the drivers, once upon a time, relied heavily on the media. They don't need them as much now. Um, not to say that they, they there can't be a use for the traditional media there definitely is a place for them and i think clever athletes and drivers in this instance um can use the the media to their advantage but they, they don't they don't need them you know there was a time where you've, you've essentially got two parties you've got the drivers the athletes on one side um and then on the other side you've got the fans and ultimately um they, they both want there's a connection between them. So from the fans' perspective, they want to gain insight on their favourite on their favourite athletes and drivers. They want to know about them. They want to get to understand them and, you know, what makes them tick. And, you know, they, they are fans. Fan is short, of, short for fanatic. That's, you know, they want to, to know these people. And ultimately, it makes sense for, in most circumstances, for the athlete or the driver to, to respond in kind because... Um, you know, whether that be for merchandise reasons, whether that be for overall branding reasons, whether that be for thinking about what they want to do post, uh, post-athletic post career, you know, they, they want to increase their following. And in, within their following, they want to, um, you know, they want to want to look after it. It makes sense. So actually, you've got these two parties that, that need to be connected to one another. And once upon a time, it was really only the media that was the middleman that was that was required because before the days of social media how could you gain that insight into the athlete's life well you do so by the the journalists asking these questions and you reading or listening to the answers whether it be radio or television or, or newspaper and you were able to use that to gain the insight that you wanted to so the media was very important in getting across the narrative that these athletes wanted to say and when they wanted to give their opinion and they want their fans to know what their opinion on something is or what their reaction is, they had to use the media in order to get that out there. So you, you had a very clear system, you, fans, media, athlete, and then the other way as well. Nowadays, social media exists, which provides these athletes with a direct line into the fans. Like they can go directly to the fans, whether that be on Instagram or Twitter or otherwise, they don't need the media as their mouthpiece. They don't need the media in the middle. Now, like I said at the beginning, there definitely is a place for for great journalism. And there are some great journalists within the F1 sphere, don't get me wrong. Um, but there isn't that necessity that there once was. And I do think something needs to happen because who wants to listen to these people being asked exactly the same questions over and over again. They're bored and it doesn't serve anyone well because if they're getting asked the same questions over and over and they give, they're giving these standardized responses or these very, um, very trained responses that that's not good for the person asking the question because people, the fans don't care. It's not good for the athlete. It doesn't look good on them. It just doesn't work for anyone when you've got these forced poor questions there needs to be uh, there needs to be a change um i i think some i don't think press conferences should be mandatory 
Um, and I, I, I will actually disagree with one thing that Harry said there, where you said that you don't think anyone would turn up if it was an optional thing. I think, I think some would, because I think they would see it as an opportunity to get themselves out there. I, I think, I think of the McLaren guys as an example. I think they'd use the platform because ultimately they, they want their, and I, I don't want this to sound callous, but they want their own spin on, they want their own narrative to form as a result of the actions that happen. And even though they can do that directly, and most do, there's still a way in which they can do that by by using the media. Um, so I, I do think there's a place for the media. It just isn't the same place where it was 20 years ago. I think those that realise that and adapt to that are going to prosper. And those who are stuck in the old ways... I'm going to go anywhere. Also, I mean, one other thing I just wanted to bring up as well. You remember that interviews used to happen, um, you know, exclusively on the um, on the podium, and then they moved that to part Fermi. Um, what, what, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, I appreciate it. it happened a couple of years ago when that transition happened. But what were your thoughts on it, Sam? Uh, I'm glad they came off the podium. I love the podium celebration. It's a very enjoyable part of Formula One. I love seeing that, you know, that mixture of emotion, the teams celebrating, the drivers throwing the champagne. And I think it takes away from them now to enjoy it, knowing that within the next 30 seconds, I've now got to stand here and talk to any number of journalists that's been around the paddock for God knows how long. And again, it's, it was never new. It was never refreshed. It's always the same question. It was always a kind of, how do you feel after that win? That was challenging to take on that person. And you can predict the question, you know, there or thereabouts. And it just took away from the moment a little bit. So when they took it to Park Ferme, I don't know if I like it anymore, but it does stop a moment being interrupted that I thoroughly enjoy, where usually we would just see, do you remember we would just see them either walking into the green room at the back, um, the, the guy who my dad absolutely loves were coming, who wears the same brilliant suit every time, hands them their watch and then their hat and then their water bottle. And every time it would come on the TV, my dad would go, here's your watch. Here's your hat. Here's your water bottle. And off you go. Uh, every single race. Um, we wouldn't see anything like that either. You hear like, <laughs> I'm going to do an impression now. So you don't worry about turning your speakers up or anything. This is what you hear. There's no Can mics. Can Sam? Exactly. Exactly. There are no mics in there. So you never even got the real reaction. You just saw Rosberg throwing a hat at Hamilton 24-7. Um, so do I like it more in the park for mate? Yes. Do I like it a lot? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't love the idea. I like to see the celebrating being in the moment. Uh, that's how I prefer it to be. But that, that's just me. What do you thought, sorry? I miss the green room. I miss that room before the, the podium. Even if you couldn't hear them, I just liked it. And, and you'd always have it. To be honest, it meant that Crofty had to stop talking for a second, which is always a good thing. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed that. And I think. The part Ferme ones, they just don't work so much. They've only just got out of the car. I'm trying to think of other examples of sports where this happens, and I'm sure I'm sure it does. You know, straight after a match, a footballer will get by get interviewed. But I don't know. They've literally just stepped out of the car. Adrenaline is running high. They've just won the race slash got on the podium. I like that they used to go up, talk to each other about the race, and then also the podium interviews just gave. You know, it gave time for a bit more perspective, and I think that I argue they gave better, slightly better answers than they do now. I know it's diff- difficult now because of COVID, but um, yeah, out of the two, I think I preferred the podium ones. Um, just seemed a bit more, just seemed a bit more fun, I think, than the ones we have at the moment. Um, you know, hope maybe they'll bring it back, but um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. I, uh, yeah, right now they seem to just give the same answers after the race, and it's normally Paul Arresta or DC or Brundle who do the questions, and nothing against them at all. But it's the same three people every time. So um, at least on the podium, you might get some random celeb, which again I know is difficult on COVID, but it was you know something different for the fans. So um, yeah, bring back the podium room. I, I agree with your point that they just rotate the same people and there's proof in that when they did get someone else to do it in Pedro de la Rosa, they literally forgot to change his name from, <laughs> from Paul. So I think that's, that's pretty definitive proof of that. 
Um, I, I agree with what you said in terms of the Park Ferme interviews. For me, it's too recent after after the race, and I think they they do give better answers when they're given a few minutes to just gather their thoughts. Um, and the green, yeah, what you said on green room is absolutely right as well. Uh, and what's really interesting here is that when we did get that insight into what these drivers are talking about, how rarely do the questions that follow afterwards relate to what the drivers actually want to talk about when they don't even have to in the green room? Like you, you'll see occasionally, you know, the first and second place guy you know, having a conversation about this or that. How many times does the question after afterwards, whether it was on the podium or in the press, how many times are they actually asking what they want to talk about? You know, you're going to get more engaging answers if it's they're talking about something that they don't even have to. So, um, yeah, I, I think overall, just a, a review into the process. What, what else? What can be done differently? Um, it, it's worth it in my book. Also, let's move on to. We move on, sorry, ben, yeah, go so on. One last yeah. thing. Um, I, this is going to sound a little bit rude to those who do the interviews, but a bit of personality. Inject a bit of personality into it. I mean. I am a big fan of David Coulthard, big fan of Brundle. You know, he's been. A, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of Paul Deresca. Sorry, Paul. Um, rip, rip, oh. rip, Paul. Uh, I'm sure he'll be gutted that I've said that. Um, but <laughs> if you, if you, I'm sure you do, listeners. I'm sure you listen to other Formula One related content. I'm sure we're not your only holy grail of F1 content. How dare um, you? Sorry. Um, and if you do Don't listen leave. to other content, you may have listened to the On the Marbles podcast, which is hosted by Steve Jones. It has Mark Webber and David Coulthard there, and it is. Bloody funny, they are well informed and they have a really great dynamic between them. DC is a different man on that podcast. He is hilarious. I want someone to sell DC. By the way, you know how you were on the Marbles last week? Be that guy. Because DC is brilliant. DC has got a very sharp wit about it, very dry humour. He knows how to prod and he also understands the sport brilliantly. I want him to be a little bit cheeky, have a bit of fun with it. All I wanted to say was, just get a, an interviewer who is willing to be a little bit more investigative. Let the situation flow. Try a different question. Have a bit of fun. It's not all kind of, let me stand four... Sorry, I can't hear you anymore because there's an engine still going off. Four yards away and just ask the same boring question. Just have a bit of fun with it. Please have fun. It's a sport. We can have fun. You know who you need? EJ. EJ. <laughs> I am always on board with more Eddie Jordan content <laughs> in my life. Yes, that is my life philosophy. More Eddie <laughs> Jordan, the better. Uh. We'll move on from someone who could rival Eddie Jordan in the entertainment stakes. To, uh, it's Fernando Alonso. He uh, recently had some comments uh, about the Monaco Grand Prix and, and street circuits as a whole uh, and what F1 could do to to um, to improve the racing, I guess. Um, so his idea, potentially, was um, a specific race tyre that's only available at street circuits uh, and drivers within the race can only use that street tyre and they can't go on to the hard tyres um, that can essentially make a one-stop very, very easy, as we saw in Monaco and have seen at a few different races across the last couple of years. So what, do, what are your thoughts on that um, proposal, Sam? Uh, generally, I quite like it. I only like it when it applies to tracks that you can't overtake on, though. And in that case, if there's absolutely no threat of an overtake, uh, don't have them on the calendar. So that's why I'm always going to go back with this, unfortunately. So Monaco, don't have it on the calendar. Because you're only going to win that race in the pit stops anyway, then. And as much as that can be exciting, that's only exciting for 15 seconds of a race. It's done and dusted. You know, if it goes wrong, it goes right. It's done. Um, you might have three more pit stops, which is still cool. We like a multi-pit stop race. So for more, I think more changes need to happen for a track like Monaco to make it the thriller that it used to be. But for tracks like maybe Singapore, where some overtakes do happen, or... Is, is Montreal still counted as a street circuit? Because I don't think anything yeah. needs to tra- change it. Yeah. That, nothing needs to change at Montreal, in my opinion. Although, I'm always up for more pit stops, so give it a go. Uh, Catalonia, it's not a street circuit, but I'd be well up for this. Give that a go. Uh, Singapore, yes. Baku, no. That's the thing. A st- street circuits aren't all Monaco. They're not all Macau. They don't all have one-lane roads that you have to drive down. And um, if we're only going to talk about Monaco, which is realistically the exception, 
Uh, then yeah, okay, I'd be willing to experiment with a new format just for that race. Try something out. If the cars aren't going to get any smaller, if you're not going to have any option to overtake, try something new. Because as we've always said, you don't need to have to make an overtake for an exciting race. But with Monaco, there's no threat of an overtake. There's not even a chance of an overtake. So it's boring. With every other race, I think you do get a realistically good one. Uh, Russia, on the other hand, you can have the world's softest tyres. I'll be up for that. Pit stop every three laps. Let's give it a go. What are your thoughts, Harry? Do you think Alonso's on something? Well, I see Fernando's um, good idea, little good idea, and I raise him a great idea. Let's just have softer tyres everywhere because it's better. Yes. More pit stops equals better races. Look at Bahrain. We had a two-stop strategy. Bloody brilliant. And Bahrain's good anyway. But it was even better because of the two-stop strategy. I think... I can't remember which year it was, maybe 2011, um, Monaco. We were teeing up for a really good end to the race because it was like Button, Alonso, Vettel. They're all on different tyre strategies and they were like neck and neck going into the last few laps. And then it was, I think it was a red flag and it all got nullified. But um, yeah, let's have, let's go back to where we were with Pirelli back in 2011, 2012, because it's just, it just creates more opportunity as Sam says, it creates more opportunities to, to you know, overtake, do a different strategy. Um, yeah, I, I I would agree with him here. Him here. I, I don't think necessarily needs to apply to just street tracks. I mean, Sam named Catalonia, for example. Why do we still have the hardest tyres when we go to Catalonia? For the, and at least Hamilton and Mercedes made it an interesting race there because they did something different with the with the strategy. So, um, yeah. I just, softer tyres in general. Hard tyres, boo. Softer tyres, yay. Bring back those pink ones. Yes, hyper soft. Oh, yes. The, one, <laughs> the ones that uh, literally were done after about half a lap in yes. the race. Yes. They qualified on, yeah. Um, I I support the overall idea of um, of softer tyres because it does, it does give up more strategic options. It was, you know, Catalonia, one of the best Spanish Grand Prix of all time, was because of the tyres. We, we had an, we had a situation where a two-stop race and a one-stop race was divided by about three to five laps. It was, it was pretty close. No one really knew coming into it which one would be better. Ultimately, the two-stop was actually slightly better than the one-stop, and because there was that difference in maybe difference in opinion, but just the option to go different. That was enough to create an an entertaining race. Um, I yeah, I, I think a return to softer tyres, particularly at some of the street circuits, would be fine. I, I don't necessarily agree with Alonso's idea of just having one tyre that's specifically used for for street circuits, but I, I do think the overall aim of what he's trying to do here and the the overarching direction, I agree with. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think that absolutely should come in play. And I've always said that the absolute dream Formula One race for me should be where you go into it and you do not know whether a one-stop, a two-stop, or a three-stop is quickest. And that all three options coming into the Grand Prix are viable. We had it a few times uh, back in the 2011-2012 Pirelli days. Um, and I'd, I'd love to see a return to it. I, I'd love, you know, those who want to go super aggressive and go three-stop, let them do it. Those who want to do a Sergio Perez and do a one-stop, let them do it. Those who think neither is going to be great and they want to do a two-stop, fantastic. That variation creates excitement and entertainment. So I hope that I hope that you know the F1 powers that be are listening because they listen to most of our episodes. So hopefully they're tuning into this one as well. Thanks, um, guys. Yeah, really appreciate your support. Really appreciate um, it. Oh, maybe what we should do, you know, which I actually think is a good thing about Pirelli. You know, we have literally the five compounds and they just alter the kind of the up and down the scale. So they have the three softest, the three medium, the three hardest. Catalonia always the three hardest. We should just, on that five, take off the two hardest ones, make the current middle one, C3, I think it's called. That becomes the hardest tyre. Just add two softer ones. So C1, it goes C5, C4, C3, C2, C1, but C3 becomes C5, C2 becomes C4, so on and so on. And that way you've got a really soft compound up until the, the actual medium that we have now, which can last a long time. I think that's a very simple solution to what, to what we're proposing here. 
And that concludes Tire Talk. <laughs> need, need to bang Special animation, something or other. Um, anyway, let's move on. We've we've got a new game, but more importantly, there's a new jingle to happen because it is a new game. Hold on. Hold on, folks. I'm just going to warm up. Mommy, 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 mommy. Okay. Here we go. A to K. K to Z. Well, what could the answer be? Time to play. Formula One. Alpha Betty. Expect that one in the charts anytime soon. Um, fantastic use of rhyme there where one of the words doesn't exist and you've used the American <laughs> letter for another part. Fantastic as ever. Um, I'm, I'm so Atlantic, what? baby. I'm cross, I'm cross Atlantic. The Americans will love it. We, we know you guys are there. Yeah, we know America is there. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> Big shout out, of course. Big shout out, of course, to our US audience. We absolutely love you. Um, so here's the concept of this game. We've got uh, the first 10 letters of the alphabet. So that is A through to J. Uh, and you two will take it in turns to pick a letter. And the letter stands for a category, which I'll reveal when you pick the letter. And you'll have to answer a random question about that category. So, um, Harry, what letter would you like? C, please. C. C stands for corners. Oh, crap. (laughs) What it should stand for. (laughs) On the... Yeah, it doesn't stand for that. Um, On the 2021 calendar, so we're not not including cancelled races here, so any race still to come that is still, as of today, 2nd of June, still going to go ahead. Don't tell me. Um, Are you going to ask how many corners are left? Oh God, I mean, that would be a question. Um, slightly easier than that. Which track has the most corners? Ooh. Oh, I know the answer. Um, great question. Is it? Sam's begging you to pick Monza. Come on, double speed. I don't know why I want to say this. Is it Abu Dhabi? It's not Abu Dhabi. Oh. What did you think it was, Sam? <laughs> uh, I thought it was Singapore. You you would be right in that. Ah, uh, Singapore, Singapore, of course. Yes. Um, so no point for Harry there. C is gone. But what letter would you like, Sam? I would like F. Sorry. <laughs> F stands for Finland in oh. this game. So for whatever reason, Finnish drivers are very, very good. Um, There have been a grand total of nine Finnish drivers in F1 history. Three of them have been world champions. Five of them have been race winners. And then two others have had podiums, but no race wins. The question is, can you name either of the drivers that has a podium, but has not won a race? Oh, bloody hell. You only need to name one of the two. Baby face, you just don't know. Heike Kovalainen. I'm afraid you've forgotten the Hungarian Grand Prix that he won. Oh, he won it. What he, a little dweeb. He did win one race thanks to that. He's <laughs> quite a little dweeb. Yeah. You can't, you can't call Heike Kovalainen a little dweeb. He's a legend. <laughs> um, would, would you have had an idea on this one, Harry? Repeat the question, please, Ben. (laughs) Sure. So there are two Finnish drivers in F1 history who have had a podium but haven't won a race. Mika Salo? Salo was one of them, yeah. Um, The other one was... Leto, the other one? Was JJ Leto, yes. Oh, that was my Um, other guess. Damn it! Well, you picked the wrong one, I'm afraid. Um, (laughs) Just wanted to get babyface in there. So the trick now, guys, is to pick the letter that you know the what because you've got each other's question right so far. Um, <laughs> what would you like to go for, Harry? What letter? I'll go for B, please. The B is for Brabham. I thought you were going to say Brad. Brad, no. <laughs> it's not Brad. Um, who is the only driver to win two driver's championships? For Brabham. 
Um, <laughs> I can't even think of many drivers who drove for Brabham. Um, is it Nelson Piquet? It is Nelson Piquet. Oh, that's literally the only one I knew. Uh, four four drivers' championships in total. Two, of course, for PK in eighty one and eighty three. The other two, Brabham himself in nineteen sixty six, and then Denny Holm in sixty seven. So, first point on the board for Harry. What letter are you going for, Sam? We're going up to J, aren't we? Yeah. Just so. Yeah, that's the last letter. So, so I say something stupid. Uh, hey, to J. Don't go for W. Uh, I. All right. I is for India. Oh. Now, as we know, there, there were three Grand Prix at the good old Buddha circuit um, in India. Um, yeah. And Sebastian Vessel was a legend there and he won them all. Back garden. <laughs> it was his back garden, yes. Um, but one other driver finished on the podium twice in those three years. Who was it? Um, was it Mark Webber? Oh, it's unlucky. He did have a podium there, but not two. Uh, it's Fernando Alonso in a couple of podiums. Fernando. Well, it did make me remember this, actually, that Roman Grosjean had a podium there when he started 17th on the grid. Oh, he's such a legend. Oh, Romy G. Which prompted me to... Cause he was really good at the end of 2013. He had like a spell where he had four podiums in five races. What could have been? Remember that time where Kimi Raikin was really good for Lotus and every time he scored a point, he got a bonus. <laughs> so he literally nearly bankrupted the entire company. Well, well, who signed that contract? I'd love to know. To do I'd love to know. <laughs> Dear, oh, that's so good. I love that story. Um, so it stays, uh, stays at 1-0 for now. Harry, what letter would you like to choose next? I'll go for A, please, Ben. A, appropriately, is for Azerbaijan. Um, Daniel Ricciardo pulled off that mega triple overtake that you remember a few years ago. Can you name the three drivers that he overtook? Oh, Ben. I can't even tell. <laughs> he doesn't like that one. Um, one was Lance Stroll. One was Lance Stroll, yep. One was Nico Hulkenberg. One was Nico Hulkenberg. Oh my god! One was. Uh, if you watched it on Instagram, they put it up. I think today. I oh, saw did it they? earlier. Yeah. Oh no, I've not seen it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Esteban, I've gone. Oh, you've managed to run. You've jumped the first hurdle. You're fine. You're keeping going. You've jumped the second hurdle. And then you've just <laughs> ran straight into the last one. Oh, Felipe was Massa. It? Um, oh, the other Williams. Both, both yeah. Williams. That's very unlucky. Um, two out Damn of three it. there. Damn it. Well done, though. That was a good effort. Good effort. Sam, what letter would um, you like Five left. Have we, have we got D left? Yep, we still got that one. Ben, give me the D. Gladly, oh, any time. ever say that ever again. <laughs> yeah, don't say <laughs> um, D is not for that, fortunately. D is for Doctor. Oh, why is it not doctor. for David Coulthard? Because uh, it's for Doctor instead. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, it is about a British driver, though. Uh, which British driver who took part in 88 races was also a Doctor? Um, <laughs> I mean, Harry, you got any idea? Was it Sid Watkins? Not Sid Watkins. <laughs> was a doctor. Can't argue with that. Can argue was about it... the 88 races bit. <laughs> was it Mansell? It was... <laughs> <laughs> It was a Nigel Mansell. Oh, I thought you were about to say it was. No. I'm going to love that. It was a pure guess. I, first, it took part in a lot more than 88 races, but could you imagine that moustache looking over? Oh, good God. You're Terrible. right, love. Dr. Nigel. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> uh, Dr. Nigel. Uh, it's Jonathan Palmer. Um, oh. Jonathan Palmer. JP. Doc, Dr. JP. Um, Dr. Palmer. Of course he's a doctor. Yeah. Look at him. Yeah, um, good, good, good effort. Uh, but Max yeah, 
prefer Dr. Nige. Sorry, sorry, Jonathan. Um, <laughs> four, four left. Um, what, what, have you, what do you want to go for, Harry? Go for E, please, Ben. E is for engine, uh, which I appreciate is fairly vague at this moment in time. So <laughs> Ferrari, uh, as you know, have taken quite a few wins, one or two here or there. Um, there has been one race victory in F1 history that has been powered by Ferrari, but was not driven by Ferrari. Can you tell me what the race was and who won it? Is it Sebi Vett in the Tour Rosso? It is Sebi oh, Vett in the Tour Rosso. Genius. Yeah. <laughs> the 08 Italian Grand Prix, the only win ever by Ferrari when by a Ferrari wow. power unit. It's a good stat, Ben. Yeah, that is, that is a good one. I like that one. Um, so, 2 0 in the favour of Harry, which means, Sam, you, you need to get both of your last two correct. You've got G, H, and J. Which one would you like to go for? Wearing a Newcastle shirt for those listening, and I, we are very much used to being 2 0 down with only a few months ago. <laughs> That's um, <true. laughs> uh, I'll, have, I'll have G, please. You'll have a G. All right. Yeah. Well, this is this is good news, Sam. It's a 50 50. I'm going to get it wrong. You, you'll find a way. <laughs> I'm going to get it G, wrong. G stands for Gasly. Did Pierre Gasly score more points in 2019 or 2020? Um, he was with Red Bull in 2019 for a bit, but he was crap. <laughs> there were less races in 2020 than there were in 2019 so I Ooh. think is it a double bluff I'm going to say he scored more in 2020 he's managed to get it wrong <laughs> oh, he's been triple bluffed oh god uh, 95 points in 2019 75 points in 2020 the, yeah more races in 2019 and... me and P Gazzle are having words <laughs> he did he did score regular points at Red Bull even if they weren't the podiums he might have wanted so um, Harry your last one would you like H or J H please obviously don't be H sure understand that I like how you've left it for your last pick but sure um <laughs> H stands for Heineken. Do you remember those CGI oh, stars? No. You remember the CGI stars um, that they put on track yes. when the drivers went through? The question is, what circuit did they first appear at? How oh. many stars did they have to drive through each lap? Ben. <laughs> I've got no idea. Uh, Austria. I, it was. It's unlucky, actually. Um I, rem- I remember them quite well at Austria as well, but it was Canada. Um, they first oh, yeah. Canada. I don't remember them at all at Canada. Yeah, Canada was the first I remember one. a lot of things, quite clearly. That was quite literally one of the worst things F1's ever done. Yeah. Uh, yeah that, I don't want to be dramatic, but it's terrible. I don't think you're dramatic. I think you are preaching what the people want to hear. <laughs> Goodness me. Again, I mean, this is similar to the um, to the Raikkonen deal that you brought up. Who signed off on that? Oh, who signed also, off? Also, isn't it funny that one of Formula One's biggest sponsors is alcohol when you shouldn't drink and drive, and it is everywhere. It's alcohol free, isn't it? Isn't that what they're advertising? It doesn't matter. It's still, everyone still sees it as beer. Don't don't drink and drive. Have you not listened to Nico Rosberg? Don't drink and drive. I haven't, didn't they have cool. to change it to don't? Don't drive and drink because someone drove into the sign and it said drink and drive. <laughs> someone hit the don't bit and it rubbed it out and then it said drink and drive. Didn't you used to say Bernie says don't drink and drive? Well, if Bernie I'll says something, Bernie. I'll trust Bernie. Well, Bernie. So yeah, that's that's a problem. If, if if Bernie's telling you to do something, you should usually do the opposite. So when he does <laughs> say something right, it's. <laughs> if Bernie worrying. says Sam get a bowl cut, you'll be a millionaire by the end of the year. I'm doing it. I've, I've just got a message through. He does. He does want you to do it. He said that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last question. Then you, you've been stuck with J. I'm afraid, Sam. Um, I'm going to get it wrong. J stands for Jordan. Oh. We, we, we we love Jordan. We love Jordan. I do. Um, My favourite livery of all time. 
In Jordan's existence in F1, they achieved two pole positions. Different drivers achieved them. Can you name either of the drivers that achieved a pole position for Jordan? Damon Hill. It's wrong, isn't it? I'm sorry, Sam, it's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Any guesses on this one, Harry? I think Barrichello had a pole for them, didn't he? He did, yeah. 94 Belgian Grand Prix. Um, That's the one I thought that... I don't know any. I don't know the other one. They got one. At the, they got one at the '99 European Grand Prix, and that's who I, I just can't remember who did it. Well, it was Hill's teammate, Heinz Aarfrenson. Oh bloody hell! It was like... a very, very good. That's that's unbelievable that you remember the race that they got the pole <laughs> position, but you don't remember who got it. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is that is special. Yellow car, favorite yellow car. Sure. I was four. Yeah. <laughs> oh, defeated again. 2-0. Two, two Harry wins. Newcastle lose. I got lose. more right that weren't my own question than I did my own question. That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, you got none right. That wasn't too difficult. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm kidding. If I, but there were some tricky ones in there. I can't I can't lie. There were tr- some tricky ones in there. So, well, well done, Harry. Good one. Well Thanks. done, Harry. Cheers, guys. All right. I think we'll leave it for there. Um, you'll hear us next for the review on Sunday for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. Folks, hopefully it's going to be an absolutely crazy Grand Prix weekend. We hope you enjoyed the new quiz and the new jingle, of course. We're going to be bringing that one back. Ben's got many a question being the, the resident stat man, as always. But uh, in the meantime, of course, we'll see you over on Twitter at Breaking. I'll see you in the Race Review podcast. And if you're lucky, I'll see you in your dreams. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Ben Hocking. Oh, I think I threw up in my mouth a bit. I've been Hans Alfenton. <laughs> and remember, keep breaking like. Oh, sorry, listeners. <laughs>